at the time, I just thought God was a really nice idea. And I had experienced through them that Christians could be really nice and inviting people. When you're going off to a new place, it felt like a good idea to get with people who would be nice and inviting. And so when I got to college, my roommate and all of my sweetmates were actually Christians. I was kind of like, hey, can I go get a Bible? Like, can we go to Barnes and Noble and get a Bible? And my dad had always been really interested in faith, but had never really given his life to the Lord at that point. And so he was excited and he was like, yeah, let's go get you a Bible. And so I I just randomly picked a Bible based on which cover I liked. And so I started reading it and remember reading things like the dog returns to its own vomit and was like, (laughs) what is this? But then reading other things about Jesus and what Jesus had done and just really starting to process through of, oh, I think this is true. And looking back, it was obviously the Holy Spirit. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brennan. Welcome to The Third Share. Thank you so much for listening. We have got a great episode for you today. Again, my name is Brennan. I am a worship and creative arts pastor at New Life in the Northern Virginia area. And with me is my co-host and my friend, Tom Pounder. Tom, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I feel honored that you call me your friend. Especially since we have different tastes in NFL football teams and college football teams. And, you know, we like to, you know, go back and forth. Well, I mean, I mean it most of the time. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) So, Tom, what's up, man? How are you doing today? What's going on in your life? I am doing good. I'm thinking about our guests today and I'm really excited to have our guests on. Uh, so kind of the lead into it because I like to ask intentional purposeful questions right, that right. will help us with this podcast. Brennan, as you grew up and even now as, as an adult, right. uh, did you and your family travel a lot? Did you guys go on like exotic vacations or outside of the St. Louis area? Did you guys go out in different places? Did you like to travel? So, uh, I, well, I, I wanted to travel. My dad actually was like a freelance artist. And so because of that, it's like if we ever took vacation, it was like it meant my dad's not getting paid. Like he's not working, right? So we didn't travel much as kids. But I would say um, probably one of the f- one of the like the best places I've ever been, and I wouldn't want to live there, but um, like Southern California, like that area, I've been to San Diego and L.A., and I, I grew up in a place kind of like where we live now in Northern Virginia, where it's super humid, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. St. Louis is definitely like that, right? Um, I had never been to a place where it was like, oh, there's no humidity. So yeah. it's 85 degrees outside and it feels warm, but like you you are, you don't know it, right? Yeah. You don't feel like, oh, I'm getting sunburned right now. Anyways, I liked that area. I have family out there and the beaches and ocean. I, I, I love all that stuff. What about you though, dude? You Because you've like, you lived in different places as a kid growing up, right? Yeah, well, I I was basically a Northern Virginia guy. However, in the early 80s, because I am old, uh, in the early 80s, my family, we actually lived in Germany for two years. Um, That's cool. And that was really cool because my mom would take us on different trips to like, I remember going to Venice. I remember going to Paris and different parts of Germany. It was really, really cool. Um, I've been to London. But honestly, since then, I've only been out of the country, I think once or twice, and now I just like to go to like New York City. Like yeah. um, that is something that I get like excited about. I like going to go see a show. I take right. my girls there. Go, we went to go see Phantom of the Opera a few years ago before it shut down. So I like to travel. I mean, so but I don't do it as much. Right. Unlike our friend here that we have today. Oh, okay. So I am very excited about this conversation. I've uh, been waiting for it a while, for a while because it's been on our calendar. Yes. Uh, and so our guest today. Um, 
she is awesome, very close to our family and a dear friend. And I mean that in every, every, you know, sense of the term. Uh, she also worked with me, uh, at new life and she is everybody at new life loves, loves her. Okay. Her name is Tess Quinn. I almost called you by your maiden name. (laughs) I had the honor of uh, performing your wedding just over a year ago, right? It was August. Tess, say yeah. hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and uh, Tess, we are so excited to have you here today and to hear your Three Chairs story. Once again, everybody, Three Chairs, we want you to be able to figure out, like, this is what God has done in my life. This is my life before Christ. This is when I met Christ. And this is what he has done in my life since then. And it's an easy way in 60 seconds or less even to be able to share what God has done in your life so that you might meet somebody and you want to talk to them about Jesus. And and the most powerful thing that we can honestly share with people sometimes is actually our personal story and what God has done in our life. Mm-hmm. And so Tess, right off the bat, where is the like your the, the like your most favorite place that you ever visited because you have been a world traveler so yes. l- let's give top three places you visited. Ooh, uh, my family loves to travel, so that was instilled in us since we were little. And right after I graduated from college, we took a trip to we did the whole Pacific Northwest, which was amazing for about ten days. And we then we went to Banff in Canada, which is one of the national parks in Canada. Oh wow. And that is by far my favorite place I've ever been to. It was so beautiful. If you've ever heard of Lake Jasper or Moraine Lake, all of those places are in Banff. It's probably been, you know, those automatic screensavers on Microsoft. I swear half of them are from Banff because it's just so beautiful. And so we got to go there for ten days after being in the Pacific Northwest and it was just amazing. Okay, so that is your favorite place. Yeah, that's probably my number one. Okay, what about two and three real quick? Like, uh, second favorite place you visited? Yeah, I had the opportunity to go to Ghana for a month when I was in college, and I loved it. We really got immersed in the culture and with the people, and it was just, it was such a fun experience. I had the opportunity to work at a school for kids with special needs, and it was so interesting to see how different countries just go about those things so differently, but both in such beautiful ways. And so that was an amazing experience too. And third place real quick. Oh, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Probably Iceland. No, I actually didn't really like Iceland. (laughs) It just like came. I'm not going to lie guys. I'm sorry if you like Iceland, but if you haven't been, take it off your list. It's not that great. It's really overrated. If anyone, if anyone is listening in Iceland right now, we are really sorry. sorry. Yeah. Uh, And do not hold that against us. Okay. Uh, But Okay, you you and Kyle, your husband, you guys took a vacation to Utah, right? Recently. Yes, yes. Okay, so we did. We go, went to Utah in August, so like two months ago, and that was amazing. There's five national parks in Utah. It's called the Mighty Five. And so we were there for 10 or 11 days, and we got to go to all the national parks, and we hiked a bunch, and it was really, it was like a super fun, crazy trip. And so that, that was definitely one of my tops, too. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Tess. Okay, so real quick, as we start to get into the three chairs thing. Um, thing. I like thing. Just yeah, <laughs> okay. Story. Don't, Tom, you had to point that out. All right, <laughs> maybe we'll edit this. We probably won't. Okay, Tess, in 60 seconds or less, um, can you kind of give an example for people listening how you would share your three chair story? Yeah, so I just want to encourage people that it's okay if you're 
your story changes a little bit every time. I think so much of it depends on the context, the conversation you're having, the person specifically that you're talking to. And so I think just kind of a really general version of mine would be before I met Christ, I honestly was fine. I really wasn't looking for much more from life. I was kind of successful in all the measurements at the time in my life. You know, I I had straight A's. I was a varsity athlete. I had great friends and just kind of was really happy and fine. I really wasn't looking for more. And then I met this family, the the Dennises, and there's something just so different about them. And I'd never met people who lived their life the way they did. And it was just so attractive and appealing. It was almost like they were magnets and everybody wanted to be near them all the time. And now I know that thing that made them so attractive was Christ. But at the time I had, I didn't know, even though they were talking to me about it and kind of sharing with me about it, it just never clicked. And then I went to JMU in my freshman year in my dorm room. I didn't even have a Bible. My dad came to visit me and I was like, can we go to Barnes and Noble so I can get a Bible? And so we went and I got a Bible and I started reading it alone in my little dorm room. And I started to think, oh my goodness, I think this is true. And if this is true, what does this mean for my life? And so just slowly, little by little reading the Bible, I gave my life to the Lord. And through that, I found so much more to life. And I always think of that scripture, Ephesians 3.20, that talks about now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. I think experiencing the more of that, there's so much more joy and freedom and hope in my life now with Christ. And I think it's really interesting for me to be able to look back and kind of reflect on, I wasn't even looking for this, but God was so gracious to introduce himself to me and open my eyes to the reality that there's so much more joy and just a more fullness to life that I could be living. And so my life is truly marked by before and after I met Christ. And so that was probably longer than 60 seconds, but that was just kind of like a, a general version of my three chairs story. No, Tess, that, that was great. Thank yeah. you so much for just kind of showing people like that's kind of how it goes. It might've been more than 60 seconds, but it, it wasn't, you know, a 40 minute, you know, podcast episode Tom no and I, I like that um, and I like how you said you know it can change a little bit from time to time and especially who you're talking to it, it may it, you may adapt it a little bit okay so you there's a lot to unpack here okay so the, let's get into the unpacking of your story I like how you said uh, you know your life was pretty good early on I mean with your with your life your family life was good you had a great family system uh, talk to me a little bit about your upbringing um, and in that, what was your family like? Did you guys go to church regularly? Did you not go to church? What, what was that like? Yeah, so I have a wonderful family, a mom and dad, two older brothers, and we kind of went to church on and off growing up. And so my mom was raised Catholic and now calls herself a non-practicing Catholic. And so when I was really little, we would kind of bounce around between different churches. So we went to Catholic mass. And then once we settled in the Northern Virginia area, we started going to different Lutheran churches, which people always joke is kind of Catholic light. So it was Mm -hmm. almost like a happy medium for my mom and dad, but it was never like this joyful thing where everyone was excited to go to church. It was kind of like we all went kicking and screaming almost. And so nothing ever took root. And I'm sure I heard the gospel a million different times through different churches and different groups, but it just, it never clicked with me. And so I I wouldn't say I necessarily was raised Christian, but it's not like the idea of God or church was totally foreign to me either. And were you raised in the Northern Virginia area or were you going from place to place because your dad was military? So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So my dad was in the military. We were on Quantum 
Quantico, for most of my memory, we were on Quantico. And then when my dad retired, we center, we settled in Centerville, which is in Northern Virginia. And so for most of my life, I've been in the Northern Virginia context. Yeah. And Quantico is just, uh, just outside of the Northern Virginia area. The FBI is there. The Marines are there. It's a huge facility. And actually, Brent, uh, well, actually, I went re- recently uh, to go look at Quantico. Your dad actually took me to go. Oh, that's there. fun. And we went to the Marine <laughs> The Marine uh, Museum there. That's yep. cool. Yeah. So Tess, um, as you're growing up, all right, so you're going to church a little bit. Stuff's not really taking root. As you're getting as you're getting older, though, like I- explain kind of where your mindset was as you're getting into middle school, high school, um, because I know that's also where you you originally met the Dennis family. And they've got some ties there. Why don't you tell people uh, about that, though? Yeah, so I think as I got older, I started to believe in God and the idea of God less and less, to be honest. And so I always thought it was a really nice idea and I thought it would be really nice if it was true. And I even remember like in high school talking to a friend who was a Christian and she was talking about how she's going to save herself for marriage. And I like, I felt like I needed to tell her, oh, people don't actually do that. They just (laughs) say they're going to do that. And then they don't. Like, I felt like I needed to educate her on that almost, even though I knew nothing. And so I think that is always a good reminder of me of what my mindset was of just, it's a really nice idea. Um, but I, I really didn't believe in it. I wanted to. And then when I was in high school, I was best friends with Grace Coleman and she started dating this guy named Patrick Dennis. No, not Patrick Dennis, Ryan Dennis, Patrick's son, Ryan Dennis. And so they started dating (laughs) and, um, Ryan's parents, Patrick and Carrie Dennis, they ran a home group, kind of like a Bible study for high schoolers out of their home. And so as Grace got closer with the Dennis family, she started inviting me to go to their home group. And so that's how I first met Patrick and Carrie Dennis and um, had the opportunity to just be in their home and be with them. And so it was a really great opportunity and they really invested a lot in me. And that was the first time I met people who were actually living out their faith. And it was such a different experience for me than just kind of going to church and hearing about it and then never really seeing anybody experiencing the joy and hope of Christ. Why? Okay. Tess, why did you want to go to some random family's house? Like, like tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. All my friends went to be honest. So Grace was always there. We were best friends. She would invite me. So I would go for that reason. They made it really fun and approachable. And so they would always feed us, which was amazing. You know, you're in high school, you're going to somebody's house, you're eating lasagna. It's great. And then we would play a game. And then about the last 30 minutes would be the Bible study portion. And it was so approachable and non-intimidating that it didn't feel like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing here or what's going on. And so it was just a really comfortable, fun place to be. And to me, it was it was more social than anything else. Yeah. And I, I love this part of your story because, again, as you were saying, you were, you were getting straight A's. Uh, you were very successful. You were vo- lettering in varsity sports and stuff. You, you were like, again, what people would say as successful and things were going good for you in your life. And yet you get invited to this place. And I, I like how you like, 
It's true. Like we are more apt to go somewhere if our good friends are going to go with us, especially in high school. Okay, so as as you're getting to know everybody in the group, and as you're getting to know Patrick and and Carrie Dennis a little bit, what is it about the conversations that you guys are having that kind of clicked for you to say, "Hey, th- this really is something I, I'm more interested in now." Yeah, I would love to say that the conversations did click, but they really didn't, <laughs> to be honest. So I just really Strike enjoyed that question. Yeah, I just I just really enjoyed being in their home. They were just Mm. such inviting and joyful people. It was just so appealing to be around them. And I'm sure they shared the gospel with me a hundred different times in a hundred different ways. And it just I don't remember it at all. It never clicked for me. Yeah. And it never I don't remember ever asking at that point ever asking them like deeper, hard questions about faith. I was just kind of happy to be there. And I remember they would be like, turn to Ephesians. And I was like, I don't know what Ephesians is or how to find that in the Bible. And so then Patrick did a really good job. He would have all the same Bible. And so he'd be like, oh, turn to page 88. So then we all knew to go to page 88 instead right. of being like, you know, it's embarrassing when you don't know what you're doing and you can't find Ephesians. Yeah, and absolutely. You have no idea. And so they really did a good job of making it approachable. But yeah, I never, it never clicked. I never asked questions. It didn't really make me think more about it at the time. Yeah, why, why do you think, that is just because you're, I mean, I, I remember being in high school. Like, do you think it's just because you're just some dumb high school kid? You're like, I, I just like being here. I like hanging out with my friends and this family's nice. So I'll come because it's something to do. Like what, or, or like, why do you think it, it didn't really click for you at the time? Yeah. I think I was just really content with my life. And kind of like I've said, I just really wasn't looking for more. And I just more thought of God as Mm. a really nice idea than anything that could actually be tangibly true. Do you, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or whatever, but the area we live in is very busy. People are doing a million things. Uh, Kids are in a million sports. They're in all these honor programs trying to get, you know, the D1 scholarship for sports or academics or their parents are working all the time. They make a bunch of money, you know, working for who knows who. But in this area, it's very, you know, affluent. Do you think like just honestly whether it's yes or no do you think that was kind of also part of it like oh my family goes to church so I have this idea of God but also I don't really feel like I need anything I I don't need anything like does that make any sense for you like just like reflecting back on how you grew up yeah I think in this in the northern Virginia area there's so much emphasis on self-sufficiency that I just really even Mm. as a kid was absorbing that and was making sure that I was self-sufficient in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, no, that, that's great. Okay, so then you, you, this is where you were, and now you move off to college. You go to James Madison University in Harrisonburg, uh, Virginia. What, what was that? Then talk us through that and, again, your faith journey a little bit more. Yeah, so Patrick and Carrie Dennis, when I was going off to college, really emphasized to me to join a Christian ministry on campus, so something like InterVarsity or Crew. They had worked for Crew and just really seen the impact that it can have in college students' lives. And, again, at the 
at the time, I just thought God was a really nice idea. And I had experienced through them that Christians could be really nice and inviting people. When you're going off to a new place, it felt like a good idea to get with people who would be nice and inviting. And so when I got to college, my roommate and all of my sweet mates were actually Christians, which is insane at James really? Madison University, yeah. which is a public, you know, very secular, liberal-minded school. And so they were all Christians and looking to join a ministry as well. So our first week, we started going to all the different like interest nights for them and landed with InterVarsity. And I just kind of automatically made really good friends through it. And then my dad, I remember coming to visit me like my second week at JMU. So it was pretty okay. soon into school. And I was kind of like, hey, can I go get a Bible, like, can we go to Barnes and Noble and get a Bible? And my dad had always been really interested in faith, but had never really given his life to the Lord at that point. And so he was excited and he was like, yeah, let's go get you a Bible. And okay. so I, I just randomly picked a Bible based on which cover I liked and <laughs> yeah, like yeah, knew yeah. nothing about it. And so yeah. I started reading it in my what, dorm What room. version was it? Do you remember? ESV, which I still, oh, okay, okay. I still like ESV. Thankfully okay, it wasn't yeah. King James or something crazy like <laughs> yeah, the message. Yeah. And so not that there's anything wrong with those, it just can be harder to understand. And so I started reading it and remember reading things like the dog returns to its own vomit and was like, what is this? But then reading other things about Jesus and what Jesus had done and just really starting to process through of, oh, I think this is true. And looking back, it was obviously the Holy Spirit, like opening my eyes and my heart to scripture and truth. But at the time it just felt like, oh, this is, this is different that I'm thinking this is true. And kind of what does that mean? And so that was kind of my experience leading up to becoming a Christian. So what was that like, so, so I kind of feel like, okay, so we're still kind of in the first chair, right? Yeah, like we're, get, we're getting closer to the second chair. So what was the moment when you're like, this is, this is when I met Jesus. Like this is when my life changed forever. Yeah, I would love to say I had this big dramatic moment in my dorm room where I like fell to my knees and gave my life to Christ. But I think it was little by little of just the Holy Spirit opening my eyes to scripture and believing the truth in it. And then just slowly understanding what that meant for my life. Like I always think of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and he goes up to him and is like, do you understand what you're reading? And he's like, how can I understand if nobody explains it to me? I still didn't, I wasn't asking people questions that they were understanding, oh, she still doesn't get it. And I think I was starting to get it. Um, and so it wasn't a big dramatic moment. It was more little by little understanding that I believed it was true and then slowly understanding what that looked for, like what that meant for my life. And so I think one of the, the big moments I can think of freshman year, I had such... Um, a potty mouth, which is so funny to think of looking back because I don't curse at all. And so now, and so my freshman year, I remember being like, oh, if I'm going to be a Christian, I don't think I can curse anymore. And so slowly started removing all of that from my vocabulary. And I remember my mom being like, oh, this is so different. Cause like I did, I cussed so much and in front of my parents and looking back, I'm like, ooh, that was so bad. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was one of the the first things that I can remember of like, oh, if I'm going to say I'm a Christian, then I kind of have to start acting like it. And that's one of the things I can do is to start cleaning up my language and honoring God with my speech. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I, I like this. Uh, again, what I'm hearing you say, because I'm really just hearing about your story for the first time too, uh, myself as along with everyone else is uh, like it, it, for you, it's like, it's not an emotional, like, my life is terrible. I have to clean up everything in my life. I need Jesus. It just made sense for you. And as people walked alongside, it just continued to make sense. And God reaffirmed that in your life. So as you're kind of continuing to take steps of faith, 
other than cleaning up your potty mouth, <laughs> what what other things did you start doing differently maybe uh, than, that you weren't doing before? Yeah, I think just changing a lot of my beliefs and how I interact it with certain things. So how I interact it in relationships, how I interact it with politics, how I interact it with, you know, people in my dorm at JMU who were going out and going to frat parties every night. And I wasn't doing that and learning how to kind of have those conversations in a way that isn't judgmental. I think that's something I struggled with a lot is how to not come across judgmental, but just come across really loving and sharing what I believe and sharing that that's okay, that it's different and just inviting those conversations instead of kind of having a heavy hand. So why, Tess, why did you, why do you think you started to change? Like what, what was it about all of a sudden following Jesus where you're like, Oh, I guess this stuff has to change just besides me not cussing, you know, or, or whatever. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it was starting to understand the concept of honoring God with every aspect of my life, both mm. in public and in private. And I think so much of that starts with the way that we think about certain things. And it's not, it isn't always super obvious to people at first, but, you know, I was at JMU, which is a big public state school. I was a social work major, which is a very liberal minded major. And I, I love social work and I'm so thankful for my time, but just learning how to interact with the culture differently, I think was, it took, I mean, it took years and I think it's, you know, it's a lifelong process of sanctification, which is a fancy word for saying becoming more and more like Jesus every year of your life. And so I think just really starting to understand that. And, you know, I think in Northern Virginia, I was exposed to so much cultural Christianity. If you just, you go to church on Sundays and you say, but you believe in God and that's kind of it. Like that's all you have to do. And you pray before you eat dinner. And so I think it was the Holy Spirit opening my eyes for the first time to what it looks like to be actually living your entire life for God. And that, that impacts every single area of our life, which I think is a really big stumbling point for people today who are considering Christianity, just realizing how much that impacts your day-to-day life. And so, I mean, you guys aren't asking for this, but just to encourage those people, if you're in that spot of like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in this, but it feels like I'm going to have to give so much up. Like there's so much more to life with Christ. There's so much more joy and hope and freedom than anything you're experiencing now. And everything that you feel like you have to give up is worth it a million times over because Jesus is that much better than anything you're experiencing right now. Even if it's amazing and great and you feel like your life is just fine. There's just so much more to life with Christ. Yeah. And and I think one huge point to make there is what we're talking about with, and, and Tess, what you're talking about is your entire worldview shifted. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what a worldview is, believe me, you have one Mm -hmm. because you have opinions on religion and politics and the way you raise a family and marriage and all of those things, right? That is your worldview. And, And a lot of people get hung up on this, even people that we would uh, test, you use the phrase cultural Christians, like, oh, I go to church once a month. But besides that, I'm not really living my life for Jesus, right? Um, My life doesn't really reflect that. I made a decision a while ago and maybe I got baptized, but now the way I'm living my life, you wouldn't really know that. So uh, I've, I I don't know who coined this phrase or whatever, but like I say this all the time, it's not like having faith in Jesus and that second chair isn't just a moment of, oh, 
so I've got my get out of hell free card now, right? Mm -hmm. And then I can keep on living. Actually, the Apostle Paul talks about this in one of his letters where he's like, so do we keep on sinning so that grace can abound all the more? He says, no, like we, we keep pursuing Christ and being like him. And by the way, he was perfect. He lived a perfect life. Not that we may be able to ever attain that, but our entire worldview has to shift when we say we're following Jesus, just like you did, where you're like, yeah, I was in this like major and it's really liberal minded. And I started having to like look into that and what the Bible says about it. And then my mindset, my worldview had to shift. So many people, they don't want to view the world through the lens of the Bible. They want they want the Bible to say what they want to believe about the world, right? So they want to look, they want to look at the Bible through the lens of the world instead and go, oh no, I really want to believe this. So let me make the Bible say what I want it to say when God might have clearly said, yeah, no, that that's not true. Does that make sense? So anyways, um, so I appreciate you sharing that because it is a huge stumbling block for people going, well, I think I believe this, but I don't know if I want this to really change my entire life. And God's saying, no, it, it needs to change your entire life. Tom, you're going to say you, yeah, you want to Well, yeah. And I, I want to say, I mean, honestly, if you're listening right now and you're like, Hey, I, I am struggling with this, this worldview kind of concept. Uh, Brent and I have our friends on and guests on to share their stories to be an encouragement, but we also want to help process this with you Absolutely. as well. So if you've got questions about this and, and we'd love to talk to Brennan or I, or we can connect you with Tess as well, email us, thirdchair at newlife.church. We want to be able to talk with you and help you process through this because it's a big deal. And by the way, uh, we've shared that email address many times uh, now on these episodes. That doesn't just go into a black hole. Like it literally, Tom, Tom and I personally get those emails. So if you have questions and you don't want to just say, hey, great podcast episode with Tess, but instead say, oh, no, I really have a question about the Bible. Like we want to help you. That's one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast in the first place. It's not just to have conversations with our friends. So Tess, uh, as we move now, okay. So actually let me ask this. Where was the moment where you're like, I have to follow Jesus. And this is this, this was the moment. Do, do you have a moment like that? Um, I don't think it was a specific moment, but maybe like a month into my freshman year at JMU. Mm. And then what followed that quickly was, oh, then I need to start acting like that and I need to change my language and I need to start thinking about my worldview. And it was, it was a little, threw me off kilter a bit because my worldview was changing, but everybody else's worldview around me was not changing. Like culture wasn't changing with me. My family wasn't changing with me. A lot of my friends from high school weren't changing with me. And so it really was the Holy Spirit doing that in me and for me and through me and with me to help start shifting my worldview. So I would say the the moment, not that there's necessarily that one specific moment, but right. it would be about a month into my freshman year. Wow. Gotcha. Okay. So then let's now move into the third chair, right? So, okay. You start changing your life. Tell us that story though, because there's a lot, there's a lot there in the third chair after that you know, moment your freshman year, um, because I didn't know you yet. 
Tom didn't know you. Fast forwarding, you didn't work at a church right after that. Like, so there's a lot there to your story of what God continued to do in your life. So yeah, let people know, okay, so third share, uh, how has your life changed? What's your life been like since you met Jesus? Yeah, I think kind of like I've said before, my life has just been so much more full. And there's a verse, I can't think of where it is, but talks about how in Christ and Jesus, we experience the fullness of life. And so I think I've been experiencing that and walking in that, but it hasn't all been just rosy and perfect and fun. Um, but kind of in the middle of all of it, I experienced a relationship where there was just a lot of trauma and just caused mm. a lot of damage and a lot of hurt. And so I was having to sort through that with the reality of, okay, Jesus, God says he's always good and he's always with me. How is that true in the middle of this? And right. I remember just feeling so justified in my anger and feeling like my anger, my hurt was so righteous. And, you know, there's some truth in that of I, I should be angry about what happened and that's okay. But I just felt like it was okay to be angry forever and that God would just be angry with me and we just get to be angry together. And that would be my sense of justice. And I remember talking to Patrick Dennis one time at a Panera and he was sharing again, a verse, I don't know where it is, a verse with me that talks about how God says it, that if we don't forgive others, we will not be forgiven. And I remember being like, oh, that's true, but not for me. Like that's yeah. true, but not for this situation. And he right. was like, no, it actually is. He was familiar with the situation I was in. And he was like, no, it actually is true for that situation that you are in. Like you need to work towards forgiveness or else you will not be forgiven. And he wasn't saying it without compassion or without kindness, but I think that was such a pivotal moment for me of, okay, yeah, Christianity has shaped my worldview up until this point in a lot of ways. Um, and a lot of it was really joyful and a lot of it was hard, but this just felt impossible. It felt impossible to mm. forgive. It felt impossible um, to seek redemption. It felt impossible to move forward. And so I think after that moment was kind of a turning point of really seeking forgiveness and healing in Christ. And so I started to go into counseling. I started being a lot more open with people that I trusted about what had happened and just letting them speak into my life. And really for years did the hard work of forgiving and healing and moving forward. And it probably was a four year long process. And I was still kind of in the middle of the healing process when I started working at New Life. And I remember like my first month here at New Life, or it was pretty soon after I'd started working here. Oh. Maybe I'd been working for a oh. couple months. It, it, it might've been your first month. Yeah. I, know, I know where you're going yeah, with Brendan this. Yeah, Brendan knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about because it was probably just as traumatic for him as it was for me. But I remember <laughs> being in his office and having like a genuine like mental breakdown and just not being okay. And it just felt so frustrating if I've been working towards complete healing and forgiveness for years and it's still not here. Like what is the holdup? And so Brennan was kind of like, Hey, I'm not going to tell you, you have to go back to counseling, but he's like, I do think <laughs> it would be really good if you went back to counseling. And so I went back to counseling and the Lord just worked a lot of things together in my life to, I think, finally bring complete healing and freedom from this pain. And it was such a healing process and such a long process. And so I just want to encourage any Anybody who has been through something really difficult, which is pretty much everybody walking on earth. And so if you're kind of in the middle of that, just encourage you to keep 
praying and keep seeking healing and redemption. And something I think the Lord really taught me is redemption doesn't always look like reconciliation. And I think in the Mm. beginning, I was really seeking reconciliation, which would mean, you know, that person that really hurt me that I experienced a lot of trauma with kind of going back to that person and finding healing with them. Right. And that's not what happened. And I don't think that's what happens for the vast majority of people. And so God brings redemption, meaning that there is healing and there is freedom from what has happened and he can bring redemption for me, for you and for everybody else involved, but it can happen totally separately of each other. Like you don't need to go to that person to, I mean, every situation is different, but not every situation is going to bring reconciliation. And I think when I understood that, that was really healing and freeing for me. Well, and also uh, just to make this point real quick, the redemption can also come from like literally Tess, you're sharing that right now into a microphone in a room where you're, you're just sitting with Tom and I being interviewed and you don't know who's listening at the other end and what they've been through. And somehow I do believe there's somebody listening to this maybe right now or sometime in the future, who knows when, um, that they're like, Oh my gosh, I've been through something traumatic and I haven't sought I haven't sought out what, like how I can heal from that, you know, and they're living in that pain. And if that's you listening right now, I would say you need to talk to you. Like if you go to a church, talk to your pastor, seek out some Christian counseling, um, somebody that you can actually trust uh, to help you actually navigate this because God doesn't want you living in that the rest of your life. Satan does. I believe that, you know? And so Tess, thank you for sharing that. Also, really quick, I really remember that moment. Uh, and um, and if anybody knows me out there, like if my wife is listening right now, she, she knows this. I, I am not the best when somebody starts crying uh, in front of me. <laughs> and so I remember I started crying kind of out of nowhere because you were really uh, obviously going through something. And I just remember thinking, uh... I, I don't know what to do. And so let me grab the box of tissues yep. behind me and let me just hand them across my desk to you. <laughs> and, and, and anyways, uh, there was a brief funny moment in that, but then seriously, you know, it was like, okay, Tess, how, how can I help you? Tom, I know yeah. you want to say something. Well, too. again, as Tess is sharing her story here about forgiveness and the, again, I can identify completely with that because I am divorced and I've, you know, gone through a lot and there was a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. And there was a lot of unforgiveness in my life. Mm. Again, I'm a minister and I went through this divorce and that'll come up in a conversation that Brennan and I have later down the road. But uh, I dealt with unforgiveness towards my ex-wife for a really long time. And that, that prohibited, I believe, God working in me, not God working in her, but God working in me. And the moment I was able to say, as someone challenged me too about, I was in counseling a lot too, and I was talking to some close friends that that I needed to forgive. And the moment that I really did that, it was more for me and God working in me for me to be closer to to God than for anything with my ex-wife. And now I will say, God has used that, the simple fact that I've been able to give forgiveness 
to, to minister in a lot of different ways. And we'll share that when I share my story, but that's a powerful thing for you. And again, I don't know your trauma, but I, I can understand, I can see the pain on your face yeah. and see that that was significant and God used that in a, uh, the God used your ability to offer forgiveness in a powerful way. And so again, I want to encourage if, like Brendan said, talk to someone, talk to a pastor, you can email us. We would love to talk to you a little bit about that because again, Satan, like Brendan said, Satan wants to use that against you and against other people. God wants to use it for, for his glory. Tess, I really appreciate you sharing that. And Tom, like, you know, part of your story too, by the way, if you're listening to this right now, you, you probably, well, you probably haven't thought this, but you haven't heard my story yet and you haven't heard Tom's story yet. That's going to be coming in future episodes. Tom and I are going to sit down and we'll unpack that with each other and maybe a special guest who interviews us, but we'll <laughs> see. We'll see who that is. Tess, as we move continue to move forward in, in your third chair, right? There's other, I think there's other moments there. Um, what are a couple other moments of where you've like, this is how God, this is how my life has been since I met Jesus. I, anything come to mind? Um, you, you've talked about freedom in Christ. Um, and uh, I know like your relationship with some of your family members are, are different now, you know, like your dad. And I don't know what comes to mind, but like what, how, how else have you seen God work in that? Even, even including, you know, uh, how you met your husband. I mean, cause that, that's something that actually, what is that? Like a couple years ago, maybe yeah. at that point, at this point. Okay. So anyways, uh, anything that comes to mind with what I was just talking about? Yeah. So I think the two things coming to my mind are, watching my dad become a Christian and get baptized and then how I met my husband and just the healing that took place through that relationship. And so just to talk about my dad for a second, he, um, when I became a Christian, my freshman year of college, I think he saw that life change in me. And it was something that he's always been interested in his whole life. He's always been probably most people would think of it as like a spiritual person. He's been really interested in faith would say he believed in God, but had never really experienced full transformation through the Holy Spirit. And so once I became a Christian, I think that made him kind of start thinking about it more. And I'm not saying this in a prideful, I did anything way. I think the Holy Spirit just used this. And he has, I mean, I won't tell his story necessarily, but basically in 2019, he had a moment of just full surrender in our front yard. And then really soon after that, he got baptized. And so I think for me, watching that transformation in my dad has been so powerful and kind of one of those almost monuments in my life of God's faithfulness and just the miracles that he can work through his spirit and through his power. And so I think that has been so transformative. And then my dad actually works for this church, um, New Life Christian Church now, which is, if you would have asked any, anybody 10 years ago, will Craig Edmonds ever work for a church? People would have just laughed in your oh, face. Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. such an impossible thing to comprehend 10 years ago, even five years ago, maybe. Um, I remember talking to Craig and I, I came back from a bunch of medical stuff in 2020 and he and I went walking around one of these trails in the park and I was like, Hey Craig, you could really, and we had had some staff like kind of leave during COVID and all that. And he was like, no way, dude, will I ever, <laughs> and I wasn't offering him a job. It was just like, Hey man, you, you could really help us with the wisdom and experience that you have that God has given you. And he's like, 
no, man, this is just my church. I'm never working there. <laughs> and you fast forward like a year or two later and he was where he is working here now. And he's been such a blessing to our church. Sorry. I just wanted to say that. And another little, little, uh, you know, kind of tidbit. Didn't you guys, didn't you and your dad, did you guys get baptized on the same day or am I not remembering that correctly? Well, so I became a Christian in 2015, but then I had been sprinkled as a baby and just kind of had the understanding of, oh, I was baptized. It counts. And so my dad, when he, he became a Christian, had that moment in our front yard in 2019 and then he got baptized and I saw that and I was like, oh, maybe maybe I need to do that too. And it's something I was really wrestling with for a while, to be honest, because I think I felt a lot of, I was struggling with pride of, oh, but I've been a Christian for four years now. If I get baptized, will people think the last four years of my life and the transformation that God's been doing doesn't count? And I've been leading Bible studies and what will the Bible study people think? And all of this stuff. That's a great point, by the way, Tess, because I think you're not alone in that. I think there are people that probably go to our church right now and even people that might be listening who are, who might think that. Like they, they have a fear of that, but it's a step of obedience, right? You know, and, yeah. and it's a symbol that we have. Anyways, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you, you keep going though, like, because this is great. Yeah, and so then when I saw my dad get baptized, it was kind of one of those moments of like, oh crap, like I have no excuse. There's no reason to not do this. And so um, two weeks later, I got baptized and my dad and Patrick Dennis baptized me, which was an amazing experience. And then we wow. went to Chewy's, which is a Mexican yeah. restaurant yes. around here that I love. And so really fun memories. And I remember at my baptism, like I'm not to talk into a mic, which is funny because I currently am talking into a mic. But I remember talking about how through Christ, I've been able to forgive people I never thought I'd be able to forgive and to find healing I never thought I would find. And so that's another marker in my life kind of of before and after and just the the freedom that I've experienced. And then another situation in relationship where I've really experienced freedom through Christ is when I first met my husband, I still kind of was in the middle of, I would say it was at the tail end of healing and Brennan's nodding emphatically because he was, he was kind of a part of this. I was working for him at the time. And so he was hearing a lot of what I was struggling with. And so that was the breakdown in Brennan's office that we referenced a few minutes ago. Well, the first, there was the first breakdown. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Wait, there's multiple. There, there were a lot of breakdowns. And then, and then this one though, I do remember because you were, you were going to counseling, you were like doing the work and you were healing. And then I'll never forget it. Cause it was in the middle of a Sunday. Like, and, yeah. and I was in my office and it was like, uh, in between when I was like, I don't know, happened to be on stage or whatever. And you came here like, can I talk to you for a minute? And I go, yeah, sure. Like, what's up? I'm thinking it's like, I don't know. We ran out of coffee or something. And, and then you broke down and you're like, I'm so afraid. So there's this guy and I don't know if I can do this. Anyways, you, you go, you, you go, this is your story. Yeah. And so I hadn't, I hadn't dated a ton since the, the relationship where I experienced a lot of trauma, mostly cause I was still healing from it and just wasn't kind of in that place yet. And I feel like the Lord had been doing so much healing. And then long story short, friends set me up with my now husband and we'd been on a few dates and he had texted me on this Sunday morning and he was just kind of like, Hey, can we talk? I just feel like there's a little bit of distance and I just between us and I just want to talk through it. And looking at that moment, I was like, why is he experiencing distance? Like, I have no idea what's going on. And looking back, we laugh about it now, but I just like, I would not let him touch me. I would not want him close to me. Like I just, that was an area of life I had not experienced healing in yet. And I'm talking just like holding hands or hugging, like really innocent things. And even on our second date, he was so sweet. We were walking around this garden and he was like, 
can I hold your hand? I was like, yeah. And then we (laughs) held hands and he was like, I literally thought you were sick. Like I just went stiff as a board and he dropped my hand after like a minute because he could just tell I was so uncomfortable. And so after a bunch of moments like that, he texted me on a Sunday morning and was like, hey, I'm experiencing distance. Can we talk? And so I went to Brennan's office and that's kind of when I had second breakdown. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I just feel like I just feel like there has not been healing in this area yet. And all of these things, and Brennan really encouraged me, like, okay, when you're praying about this, where do you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you? And I was like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to be really honest and vulnerable with Kyle. That's my husband's name. And we'd been dating for like four weeks at this time. So it felt so scary to just open up about my past in this really vulnerable way. But I just really felt a lot of assurance from the Lord. And so that afternoon, after I'd talked to Brennan and been praying, Kyle and I talked and we sat on a curb and I had told him about my past and he he just looked at me and he was like, Tess, this doesn't want, make me want to run away from you. It makes me want to run towards you. And that was just such an intense moment of healing for me of, okay, people aren't going to reject me or think less of me because of this thing that I've been through and this thing that I'm still seeking healing from. Like I was honest with him of this is why I feel really uncomfortable when you touch me and this is why I'm in counseling. And he just kind of stepped into that and he was like, yeah, we're going to figure it out. And the Lord has brought so much healing through that relationship. It's not like Kyle healed me or anything like that. It's really like the Lord used that relationship as a vessel for a healing, which has been such a beautiful thing to experience. And for other people who know my story to get to see that too has been so powerful. And I think that's part of the power of letting other people that you trust in on your story because then they get to witness for years to come the healing that you experience in Christ, which is just in a lot of ways as transformative and powerful for them as it is for you. And it's so powerful because they see that transformation, but you're also giving them kind of the reason behind it, right? The reason for the hope that you have is because of what Christ has done and God can work through other people in those conversations to speak to us, you know, and to show us that he loves us just like through Kyle or conversations with your counselor or whoever. Right. Um, and, and that's amazing because it's also another thing for you to say, just like, and this is another thing from Paul of saying, Oh, follow me as I follow Christ. Like there are people that, you know, that remember the broken place that you were in. And then as you're following Christ, you're saying, follow me as I follow Christ, because I'm telling you life is better. You know, life is better on this side of things. Right. Um, Tom, you, you wanted to say something. No, I just, I, I just, I'm just so moved by your story and I'm so encouraged by what you're sharing, but kind of, as we wrap up here a little bit, if you have some encouragement for someone out there who's exploring their faith or even just a, in a kind of a middle ground with, with Lord and dealing with some different things in their life. What, how would you encourage them today? Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like I've said it a million times, but there's just so much more to life with Christ. There's so much more hope and joy and freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit, where if you accept Jesus as your savior, the Holy Spirit enters into your life. And the Bible tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, using the Holy Spirit math in that verse, if the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You can never be separated from that freedom that there is 
is in Christ. And Christ will enable you to find healing, to experience more joy, to experience more freedom and more hope that goes beyond which politician wins the next election than you could ever imagine experiencing now. And so just want to encourage you to read the Bible, ask questions, just be curious. Don't feel like you have to make a decision right now, listening to this in in this moment, but just, I'm sure, you know, somebody who's a Christian, just start asking them questions. I'm sure they would love to have those conversations with you. Start seeking, um, community. So whether it's a Bible study or going to church, just start seeking, just start seeking community, start seeking people to ask questions to and start seeking God through scripture. Tess, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us, with, with being vulnerable and honest with kind of where you've come from and then where you've been and the work that you continue to do. But it's amazing to see what God has done in your life. Listen, we are so so glad that you have stuck it out through this episode. I really hope you listen to this whole thing because, man, the last 20 minutes are so, so powerful with Tessa's story. Thank you for listening to The Third Chair. We want your questions. If you have questions about faith, if you have questions or just comments, uh, hey, you guys, Tom, Brennan, you guys suck. Uh, I don't know. You can (laughs) do better at this podcast. We might cry, though, too, uh, if you say that we're not good. But you can email us at third chair at newlife.church. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time on the next episode of the third chair.